God bless you all. Good to see you. I want to welcome you to the Rock Church. My name is Travis. I'm the uh, Point Loma campus pastor. We want to say a quick shout out to all of our campuses joining us. What's up, online church, online campus, San Marcos, East County, City Heights, down in the south, San Ysidro, all of us watching at the detention centers. Let's put our hands together. And right here in Point Loma, what's up? One big family together. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you. Hey, we are in the midst of our discipleship series called The Pursuit. Everybody say The Pursuit. And, and we know as our pastor has been teaching us and encouraging us to draw near to the heart of the Father, that discipleship or, or disciple is the pursuit of the heart of the Father, a heart that's being perfected in love for God and people. So Pastor Miles has been modeling that, teaching us. And this morning we have it on full display. We're doing what's called a 4 by 7 uh, preaching sermon. Now that's not some strange In-N-Out burger 4 by 7 No, we got four. Everybody say four. We got four of our uh, youth pastors with us today. We have a fifth. He's here as well. But we have four doing seven minutes each, preaching a, a fiery word. Now, now here's the deal. This isn't just kind of listen and go day. This is an engaged day. If they say something that blesses you, give God praise. Put your hands together. They say something that you like, shout amen. Say, Jesus, you know what you're talking about, getting these guys up here. Give them praise. Encourage them, and I promise you they will encourage you back. Now, behind me, we have our fifth youth pastor, Phil, Philly Ice, and a bunch of students with us. Now, he's hanging out with them because his wife is like 67 weeks pregnant or something. She is beyond due. And so if you see a tall, slim, white brother walking off stage during the message, it's about to go down. That's what's happening. Yes. And all these students here are from their youth ministries. Our youth pastors are discipling them right now every single day from our campuses. It's going to be a good one, y'all. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to bring out our first youth pastor. Y'all ready? Let's go. Lord, we pray a blessing over every single communicator today. All of our youth pastors, would you fill them with your word, fill them with your fire, and thank you for the word that you've given us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Let's welcome to the stage from San Isidro, Jake Latuli Gasanoa. Good morning, family. Good morning, family. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Hey, my name is Jake Latuling Asanoa, and I'm from the San Ysidro campus. That's what I'm talking about. San Ysidro is in the house of Point Loma today, so it's so good. Hey, while I'm in Point Loma, I would be foolish not to do this. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go ahead on the count of three. We're going to lift them up and say word. One, two, three. Word. And we're on time. Man, I feel like Pastor Miles. <laughs> Leviticus. Chapter 16. Turn to Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to be in verse 16 to 17. Before we read that, a little bit more about myself. I'm Pacific Islander. I'm Polynesian. I'm specifically Samoan. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I even brought with me some, some gear, some island gear. But I'll go ahead and I'll tell you about this because there's actually a really cool story about this. I used to go to a college uh, called Azusa Pacific University, and I was in the Polynesian club there, um, and every incoming freshman was paired with an upperclassman. We called them our big brothers, our big sisters. So I had a big brother about five foot tall, Hawaiian. His name was Malachi, and this guy was something else. He was just relentlessly pursuing me. There was never a day in my freshman year where he was not texting me. There was never a day in my freshman year where he was not calling me. He wanted to go out to lunch with me. He was like, I just want to, I want to serve you, brother. I just want to make sure you thrive. What can I do to help you thrive? And I was like, you can step five feet back 
real quick and just give me, just give me some room. But he was relentless in his pursuit. And towards the end of the year, he gave me these. And he said, I want you to have these. Do you know what this means? I was like, the luau's coming pretty soon. There's about to be pig, you know? And he was like, no, no, I'm giving you this because in these shells, there were oil. And those oils were used for candles, specifically for the church. So I'm giving you this and I'm telling you, you are a bearer of light. I was like, whoa. You are a bearer of light. You are the next big brother Go and do what I just did for you. And so today I want to talk about relentless discipleship. Yeah, you can give it. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 16 to 17, it says, Through this process he will purify the most holy place, and he will do the same for the entire tabernacle because of the defiling of sin and rebellion of the Israelites. No one is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for the purification ceremony in the most holy place. No one may enter it until he comes out again after purifying himself, his family, and all the congregation of Israel, making them right with the Lord. I want to talk about discipleship, but not just any kind of discipleship, relentless discipleship. And as I'm looking at Aaron in Leviticus chapter 16, I see so many things, but I'm going to point out three. I got three things for you about relentless discipleship. Number one, number one is relentless discipleship requires zealous repentance. Aaron was a priest. He was chosen, appointed by God. He had to spend time with the Lord. And so my thing is this, you finish this for me. You can never love anybody else unless you love, amen, unless you love yourself. It's the same way with discipleship. You cannot disciple someone else if you're not spending time with the Lord. This needs to happen before this happens. So we need to get this right first before this happens. We need to spend time with the Lord. The foundation, the foundation of your relationship with Jesus Christ is when you believe, confess, and repent. But the power of your discipleship solely rests on how much time you spend with him in his word and praying. Number two, relentless discipleship requires total availability. Sometimes I find myself doing this, fam. I say, Lord, bless this person. Push this person. Uh, Lord, I speak life into that person. Would you do that for me, Lord? And the Lord will say, yes, go. Go ahead and encourage him. And I will, whoa, whoa. No, I thought you were just going to do it. I didn't think you were going to use me. That's dumb. That's, that's like an athlete trying to become the best athlete that he can without training. It's nonsense. We can't expect people to grow. We can't expect people to push through with the Lord if we don't make ourselves available to be used. And it's the pure the fact is this, that your best ability is your availability. Turn to someone right now and say, your best ability is your availability. Amen. Hey, God is God, and he is going to move regardless. God is God, and he's going to move regardless. We just need to be able to be used. Lord, use us. Number three, relentless discipleship requires loving sacrifice. Ladies, can you say hey? I love y'all. I love y'all. Because I'm looking around, you all look so very beautiful. I know that took some sacrifice, all right? You took some time. You had to get up an hour early, sit in front of the mirror, and just really go hard. And like, look, I'm going to look good today. I'm going to look good today. Guys, we don't even have gel in our hair. We need to step up our game. You know what I'm saying? We need to step up our game. 
But that reminds me of when I was reading, I keep on hearing, and then Aaron, and then Aaron, and then Aaron took the two bulls, and then Aaron sacrificed them, and then Aaron came back to the temple, and then, and then, and then Aaron was relentless in his pursuit with his people. He was relentless in his relationship with Jesus. And because of that, his whole congregation was changed. And so when I'm thinking about Malachi and how he relentlessly pursued me, my love changed. My love got bigger. My relationship with Jesus changed. And because of that, I was able able to relentlessly pursue my little brother. So I want to go over those three points one more time. One, relentless discipleship requires zealous repentance. Two, relentless discipleship requires total availability. And three, relentless discipleship requires loving sacrifice. And when I think about these things, I think about Jesus. Every single hair that was ripped from his beard, every single spit that was on his face, all the, all the thorns in his hands, every nail in his hands, every step to Calvary, every single drop of blood was shed for you and for me. Because he wanted to have a relationship with you. But it doesn't stop there, fam. We have one assignment. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. Come on, church. God bless you. Come on, let's put our hands together. Why don't you give God praise for Jake? Give God praise for Jake. Amen. Amen. I love how our single youth pastor was like, where are all the ladies at? Where are all the ladies at? You were saying, hey, and he was like, just doing a little snapshot there. Hey, let's bring to the stage from City Heights, City Heights, stand up, Ty. Man, you guys are ready this morning. You guys give yourself a round of applause. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And as, as Pastor Travis said, my name is Ty. I'm a youth pastor at the Rock Church at our City Heights campus. Somebody say City Heights. There you go. That's right. Well, you ain't got the dip yet, but you said it, so it works, right? Before we get started, I want to just give honor to our senior pastor, Pastor Miles. Miles McPherson, who is allowing youth pastors to come up here and take the stage and bring God's word to you guys this morning. Amen? Father, just do what only you can do in this moment, Jesus. We love you, God. We praise you, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I have a quick story for you. There's a young man who was deployed to the middle of a battlefield, the middle of a battlefield. He finds himself hiding behind a rock. He's crouched down, terrified, petrified. He's frozen with fear, and he's wondering, how did I find myself here? I never thought I was going to get deployed. He hears bullets flying over his head. Bombs going off all around him. The rumble from the tanks. And he thinks to himself, God, I wish a couple of years ago when I was going through basic training, I wouldn't have just went through the motions. I would have really applied what I was supposed to learn. I wish I wouldn't have slacked off and just went through the motions, shirt untucked, shoes untied, helmet in his hand, just going through the motions. I pose this question and I share this story because I have a question for you is discipleship requires courage. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you need to be courageous in front of whatever God has in front of you. Amen. How many of you guys feel like you guys find yourself hiding behind a rock? 
hiding behind an insecurity, hiding, hiding behind something that the enemy is, is lying to you about and you're believing it, even just for one moment. We're going to talk about discipleship requires us to be courageous. Amen. So going through the Bible, we're reading through the book of Leviticus right now. Reading through the Bible. And how many of you guys are on track? You guys reading? You reading through it a little bit? All right, all right, all right. Keep up, keep up. We got some good stuff in store. But as we're reading through the book of Leviticus, you may think the book of Leviticus, like is that a contagious something? Like Leviticus, I never heard that before. Lord, it's the third book of the Bible. Don't think it's something crazy. And actually in this this book, it's, it's, a, it's a story about the Lord is speaking to Moses about the tabernacle and building the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and all the intricacies and details and everything that was put into this. You got to be courageous to step aside from society. And I'm going to do what God called me to do and build it the way he called me to build it. Amen. After this Ark is built, it's beautiful, perfect to a T, right? Then he says, pour blood all over it. And for me, I, I read that and I said, uh, Lord, I, what, is, what is the blood part? Why, why is that necessary? And in Leviticus 17, 11, following me on the screen, it just says, for it is the blood that makes atonement for your souls. Right? This is a temporary fix. Animals were a temporary fix for an eternal problem. And it goes on to say, as Jesus was it's a type and shadow of what Jesus came to fulfill later, right? In Hebrews 9.22, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, right? But Jesus had to be courageous. God called him to do crazy things that has ne- have never been done before. God called him to go places that people have never went, to lay hands on people that were never touched because they were unclean. Being a disciple requires us to be courageous. And we have three points. The first one, it takes courage to develop your talents. How many of you guys have talents you have yet to tap into? I believe many of us in here have talents beyond our years, things that you never thought were even for you, and then all of a sudden you're walking in it like, God, this is for me? Be courageous and develop those talents. Be courageous. Die to yourself. Use them or lose them. Second, it takes courage to lead by example. How many of you guys believe that you are a leader in this place? Raise your hand. I don't know if it's participation or you just didn't feel like raising your hand, but every single person here should have your hand raised. Why? Because you're leading someone. Even if it's not a group of people, if you, even if you're not, you're not on a stage, you're leading yourself. Where are you leading yourself? Where are you, that's just a question for you guys. Where are you leading yourself? Whether you believe it or not, you're leading others as well. You may not notice it, but people are watching you. People are watching you. If you have kids, your peers, your coworkers, people are watching you. And lastly, the courageous do not disappoint the one who sacrificed it all. Who's the one who sacrificed it all? Jesus. Jesus has has blessed us with so many talents, gifts, and abilities. And if you don't stand up, get out from behind your rock. Bullets flying and everything. Put up your shield. Get out the sword of the the spirit and really get after what God is calling you to. 
You will lose it if you don't use it. But as you are courageous, you will be edified and encouraged. And the only one who we can give worship back to. The only one. So three things. It takes courage to lead by example. Be courageous. Don't disappoint. But the first one is it takes courage to develop your talents. Man, it's, it's, gosh, it's hot in here. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm not supposed to be, I'm supposed to come up here prepared, right? As you develop your talents, I want to encourage you guys that it's more than just for you. God gave you talents, gifts, and abilities for you to walk in them and encourage your brother or sister. To encourage the, the son or daughter that is watching you looking at mommy or daddy saying, Dad, I want to be just like you when I grow up. If you're doing it right, they don't want to be just like you. They want to be just like Jesus. Who, if, if they want to be just like Jesus, you're called to be a disciple, right? Military, if you're in the military, you have your name tattooed on your chest, right? But as a disciple of Christ, I have my name tattooed on my back. For one reason and one reason alone is because God gave me more than I can handle. And every single time I press into him, he shows me a new way. He always leads me out from behind this rock. Why? For his glory. His glory, his glory alone. And we all can be stand up and be courageous and know that God is doing a mighty thing in this, through this church. He is doing something new through this church, family. So may we all stand up and say, may you all stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Repeat after me. I am courageous. I am a disciple. disciple. The disciples in the Bible are gone. It's our turn. It's our turn. God bless you. Show some love to Ty. Bringing the heat, bringing the fire. God bless you, Ty. Amen. I wasn't ready for the the Latosaurus Rex when he hit you with a disciple like that. My goodness. Hey, let's give it up for right from Point Loma, our house right here where you're watching. Allison, are you pastor? Hey. Amen, 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 amen. Okay, uh, if, if you wonder what my name was, my name is Allie. <laughs> I am the proud youth director here. I'm not from San Ysidro, but I rep proudly the Seis Uno Nueve, San Diego. Like I shared earlier, I am the proud youth director, so I'm always working with teens and people of all ages. So I want to walk you guys quickly through a story about a 23-year-old girl. 23-year-old girl who was in her senior year of college, and she wanted to live it up. So she decided with her and her friends to go to MTV Spring Break 2012. So, show of hands and be honest, who has heard of MTV Spring Break 2012, or any year for that matter? Look at all y'all, mm-mm-mm. I will pray for you after this service. So, she's at Spring Break, she's living up with her friends, they're turning up, living, living my best life, making memories, parting and parting and parting. And every single time, she would return back to her room. There was an emptiness that she felt that she couldn't shake. But she continued and kept parting and parting and parting until she got to the last day. And she walked back into her room and started looking in the mirror. And when she looked into the mirror, she realized she no longer could recognize herself. The very person she said she would never become, she is now it. All the things that she said she would never do, she has now done. 
So she got on her knees in that room and pleaded with God and said, Lord, if you let me get home safely today, I'm going to go to church and give my life to you. If you are paying attention and following through the scripture reading, we are in Leviticus, which is everyone's fan favorite. Amen? (laughs) So if you're following and you have your Bible, turn to Leviticus chapter 26, verse 13. And if you get there, go ahead and say amen if you got it. That was quick. Don't lie. Don't lie in church now. If you got there, say amen. Leviticus chapter 26, 13 reads this. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you can no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the yoke of your bondage so that you can walk with your head held high. In other versions, it says, I broke the yoke of bondage so that you can walk in freedom. Today, I want to talk to you about how to daily walk in freedom. Now, for the Israelites, at the center of this passage is Egypt. Now, for those who know, Egypt was not a top five destination for the Israelites. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Egypt represented a place of bondage. It represented a place of slavery. It represented a place of people putting them under things that they didn't want to be under. Now for the Israelites, being in Egypt, it was not a choice. It was something that was placed upon them. So Egypt for the Israelites was a location. Egypt for us today could be a mindset, can be a lifestyle. It could be the way that we choose to do things that keep us in bondage. That's what we have here today. So as I was thinking about this passage, I said, God, you have us reading Leviticus. (laughs) What in the world am I going to take from this book? And then I got to the last chapter, 26. And it says, I am the Lord your God. And I said, God, what do you want to show me through this? And he said, I place this passage here as a reminder to my children that you need to be reminded daily of where I brought you from so you can understand where I'm taking you to. Now, for many of you here in this room, you may not be in Egypt. You've been saved, sanctified, filled, and the Holy Ghost, and that's okay. That's great. But some of you still are in that place. And you need that reminder that reminding yourself of where God has taken you to is not for you to revel in your glory days. It's to be reminded of the power of God's resurrection that he can take you up out of the ashes and allow you to walk in freedom. So that was Egypt for them. And in the context of the conversation, we understand what Egypt is and can be for us. So with that remembrance, how can we walk in daily freedom? Number one, identify your Egypt. Some of you may be free, but you are still holding on to the things that God has freed you from, making you therefore not really free at all. So before you walk in freedom, you must understand first that you are still in bondage. So number one, in order for you to walk in freedom, you must first recognize if you are still in bondage. Number two, 
when God frees you, that freedom is not just for you. It's for others too. So that testimony that he's giving you and allowing you to experience is not just for you. It's for you to share it with other people so that they themselves can find freedom. Amen? And lastly, live in obedience over convenience. That might hurt a little bit, but just know that your delay in walking in obedience can be the very reason why people cannot experience freedom. Now, I started off in the beginning talking about a 23-year-old girl who was turning up in Vegas, who was pleading, who was asking God for a second chance. And guess what? That girl was me. That girl was me. This March marks seven years since after I pleaded with God in that hotel room and said, Lord, you better get me up out of here. I brought my butt right here to the 7 p.m. service and said, God, if you will take my mistakes and make me whole, I'm going to give it all up and honor you with my life. So today, so today, I am walking in the freedom. I'm walking in the freedom that only he can give. And he wants the same for you. There's free people here in this room walking it. And for those who have not experienced it, you better come get some today because God has something for you. Don't wait another second. One last thing I want to say. If you accept freedom, this song can be yours. I hear them chains falling. Sing with me. I hear them chains falling. Hey, church, don't wait another second. We're walking freedom today in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Why don't you give Allison some love? Give God praise for that word. Amen. All y'all want a hat now. Everybody wants a hat now. Everybody wants one of those cool hats. Let's make some noise for DJ from Rochester, San Marcos, bringing the fire from the East Coast. Oh, snap. What's good, family? My name is DJ. I rep in the North. That's San Marcos swag. What's good? Saved with amazing grace. Y'all know what it is. My wife and I, we just moved back from New York City. We were there for about five years. And one of the problems that we saw in New York City was the rampant homelessness all over Manhattan. We go down Fifth Avenue, you see homeless people all over the streets. Down 14th Street, you see people laying there on the ground. We go down to Soho, we would see people on the ground while they're getting the Gucci, the Prada, whatever that has you in Soho. And I was looking at this, I said, this is not right. Something is wrong. I asked God, what am I supposed to do in this moment? So I went back to my church, I rallied up some of my kids. We packed lunches. And I said to them, all we're going to do is we're going to go and we're going to bring some hope for these homeless people. We took these kids into New York. We're near Madison Square Garden. We were, we were with people there. And we got on our knees and we heard their story. We began to pray for them. And the interesting thing is people began to notice the countercultural youth in New York City. God's holiness is to be distinct and separate. But holiness can be reflected in the home, in your work, 
and in the world. How we do this? One, respecting our parents. B, respecting, resting from work. And three, repenting of our idolatry. Respecting your parents. Yikes. My parents are up here in the front row, so I can't lie right now. Isn't it so, isn't it easier for us to be holy on the outside? But the moment that we go home, the moment that we go back to our family, holiness just seems like it's out the door. God's call for us is to be holy in the home. It begins there. You don't take it out just because it's uncomfortable. You don't take it out because people do not, you don't like the people in the house. God's call for us is to be holy in the home. For all my kids, when your mom asks you to take out the trash, what do you do? Take out the trash. If your dad is asking you to take, make the bed, what do you do? Fold up them linens and make the bed. We reflect the holiness of God in our home by respecting our parents. Two, we rest from work. This is one of the hardest principles from God. We're always constantly working. We're looking to ourselves, what, 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 what can I do more? I have to get more. I have to do more. What are I doing? God's call for you is to rest. Let him work it out. Trust in what he is doing. Do not worry about what it's going to be, but let God do it for you. God is working inside of you so you can reflect his holiness to the people on the outside. Third point. Repent of our idolatry. Idolatry is a good thing that has been a God thing. God has given us many things in this world for our benefit, for our good. But what we do is we take it and we put it in the position of God. And God is saying, repent of that. Turn away from that. Come back to me. Sometimes our idolatry is not so obvious it kind of creeps into our lives. One of those being our image, how we portray and project ourselves on social media, how people view us on the outside. And because of that, we are so protective of it. We don't want anyone to step on it. Rather than following after God, we are more concerned about image to other people. Repent of it. Another one is security. We like to have security. We like to know that we're going to be okay. So what do we do? We build up a fortress of our own desires. And then we look around, we have a lot of stuff, but it's not what God intended for you. God's intent for us is to repent of these idolatrous things that are only temporary and come back to him. Check your heart. See where it goes to the most. Has it taken the place of God? And if so, then repent of it. Turn away from it. Now you might be thinking this. This is hard. It's impossible. If you read through Leviticus, you see hundreds and hundreds of laws. And you might be asking yourself, how am I supposed to follow all these laws? It is impossible. I can't do it. Amen. Because Jesus has done it for you. Mm. <laughs> Hebrews 11.6 it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
God knows that being holy is impossible for us. That's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that when we put our faith in him, his holiness is our holiness. The holiness that we reflect in our home, in our work, in the world is by respecting our parents, by resting from the work, repenting of our idolatry, and turning back to Jesus, trusting that what he is doing in our hearts is far greater than what we could possibly imagine. Going back to God and asking God, would you draw me nearer to yourself? My holiness, I want to reflect it out to the world. Let it change the world, God, for your glory, for your majesty, for your name to be lifted on high. I want to be holy. Look to someone next to you and say this with me. Be holy as God is holy. Be different and separate. Let's change the world together through God's holiness. Let's make some noise, Rock Church. Come on, let's make some noise. Let's give God praise for our youth pastors who brought an incredible word today. Amen. The youth ministry of the Rock Church is in good hands. In good hands, in good hands. Here's what I love. Our youth pastors minister to youth, but not just youth. They blessed me today. And I know they blessed you. They, they blessed you. And they, they taught us that discipleship is, is relentless. Discipleship requires courage. That discipleship sets us free. And discipleship draws us near to the one who is holy. That's Jesus. But I just know, I just know that there's a handful of us, many, maybe tens, maybe hundreds at all of our locations, those who are joining us online, that when you hear those words, that's not how you would describe your life. You would say, you know what, there's nothing about my life and my relationship with Jesus that looks relentless. I'm not clinging to him. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm sort of pushing him out. And, and I certainly would say I'm courageous in my faith. I don't even like to pray and, and I don't even like to let people know that I have a Bible. There's another group that said, you know what, I, I know I'm not free. In fact, I'm still in bondage because I give myself permission to sin. I'm not even close. So holiness is just out. But here's the good news. Here's the good news of the gospel. The minimum requirement to be a follower and disciple of Jesus is to admit that you struggle. And so that's our prayer today. And, and here's what we're going to do in all of our campuses. We're going to pray. And we're going to give everybody and anybody that needs a chance to choose Jesus this opportunity right now. And maybe you prayed a prayer years ago, but the very next day you stopped choosing Jesus. Well, it begins right now. And it begins with the prayer. So wherever you are, everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're on our campuses, you're on our online campus, would you bow your heads wherever you are, close your eyes. No one looking around. This isn't to impress anybody next to you. This isn't to impress that, that person that you came with. And, and, and nobody move. If you can stick around, stick around, because this may be the sweetest part of our service. Where someone goes from this life into eternity and says, I choose Jesus right now. Every eye closed, every head bowed. And it goes real simple. Just pray this prayer in the quiet of your heart. Just say, dear God. Today, I choose you. Jesus, I believe you are exactly who you say you are. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner, that I've let you down, and I will continue to do that. But I want to be free, finally. Thank you that the old is gone, and thank you that the new has come. This is my new moment. I receive your love, I receive your forgiveness, I receive your grace. 
As everybody's heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. And on three, I'm going to invite you to stand with boldness and courage because it takes courage. And this isn't to, again, impress anybody. This is for you to say, I, I, my, my condition is not my position in heaven. My, my physical condition where I'm sitting, where I'm working, where I'm living, the things of the past, they no longer define me. And on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to stand and do it with boldness and do it with faith and do it with courage and do it with love. And maybe you do hand the, hold the hand of the person next to you. you can, they'll stand with you. They love you. And so wherever you're at, if you're driving, you pull over, you're watching this later, one of our campuses online right here in Point Loma, on the count of three, I want you to stand with faith and boldness. One, two, three. Stand your feet right now, right where you are.